Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Karahi, Karahi, welcome to We Have Ways of Making You <laughs> Talk uh, with me, Al Murray, and um, James Holland, of course. And James, uh, you've wrestled up quite the guest for us. Yeah, I have, actually. You know, we, we've, we've had some Axe Hastings, we've had Professor This, we've had Doctor That, but today we've got Ross McCall, and I'm absolutely thrilled about it. And um, Ross, as I'm sure everyone knows, was Joseph Lee got in, of course, Band of Brothers, which is everyone's favourite Second World War um, miniseries, uh, and certainly mine by a hundred percent and um and and ross you and i had a had a funny dinner in Bayer a few months ago didn't we it was it was it was such a, yeah it was such a great moment walking into the uh into the rep first of all thanks for having me second of all i would much prefer having a doctor or you know somebody of high esteem on your show rather than a an, an actor who wears <laughs> makeup and you know learns lines uh, but yes, we did. We had a wonderful dinner and we became we fast friends, dare I say. Yeah, no, we absolutely did. And um, it's brilliant to have you on and talking about, I mean, you know, it's 20 it's odd years now, but it still feels very fresh. I mean, you know, when I watch it kind of on an annual basis, it still seems to kind of hold up very, very well, I think. We talk about that. I mean, listen, there's there's a there's a big fandom for Band of Brothers, um, and it's the show that keeps on giving. It really does. Uh, you know, here I am still talking about it 22 years ago, and um, normally that means that you haven't really done bugger all else since. But um, <laughs> I've uh, I've uh, you know I'm very lucky. I've I've done a, a plethora of TV shows and films since. Uh, yet this is the one that I come back to, and this is the one that people really want to talk about. Did you did, when you were making it? Is that what you thought would happen? Did it feel like you were on a on a thing that was going to um, uh, live forever, or or did it? Or was it just another job? No, Al. I mean, to, to be fair, it, this is an ongoing discussion with me and some of the fellas too. Um, some guys would say, "No, I had no idea. I was, you know, just jumping into this thing, thinking it would be fun." Um, when you have, you know, Mr. Spielberg and Mr. Hanks at the helm of your uh, of your project, if you are in any way a film buff, which I was growing up and still am, um, I'm working with the best. So I I had a very sneaky suspicion that it was gonna it, it was gonna be all right, you know. But but one of the amazing things about Band of Brothers is is obviously a large part of it is filmed in in Britain. A large part of the cast is British, you know, from from. Dick Winters all the way down to Joseph Liebgott. Had How did it come about for you? I mean, where, how, where were you in your career when you suddenly got the call up and you got the audition and suddenly you were looking at Tom Hanks? Well, so I'd been, you know, I'd, I'd been working professionally since I was 11. And a lot of people go, oh, wow, your parents must have been involved. Not at all. You know, dad was a firefighter, mum was a nurse. I was a troublesome kid. Uh, and the only deterrent from said trouble at school was they thought it'd be fun to stop giving me detentions because that was doing nothing. Um, was to throw me in a choir, which <laughs> I, I thought was my version of hell. Um, and then it turned out, you know, I had some pipes on me as a kid. So, uh, I, I'd, yeah, I'd been working solidly as as a child actor, doing a lot of theatre, a lot of TV, and then subsequently film. So my first film was, man, I would have been 14, I think. It was with Jeremy Irons and Ethan Hawke. And what was that? It's a, a film wow. called Waterland, which... Um, really is a dreadful film <laughs> but 
but at the, at, at the time it was very Hollywood and I'm sitting there with Jeremy Irons and Ethan Hawke and thinking, you know, I'm the bee's knees. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd worked with some, some big shots. I'd worked with Bob Hoskins when I was a kid. Um, I'd worked with Michael Caine yeah, as a kid. So I was working. Wow. Fantastic, you know, and they were all my heroes growing up. So for me it was just like um, I was around that that world of entertainment at a really early age that was just yep. shocking for the family. Like, that, you know, I was playing Freddie Mercury when I was 13, so I was around Queen. You know, I was I was around the band constantly for, for a period of time. Wow. Um, and so, wow. so there was a career, but, you know, being in Britain and your certain agents back then, you know, the, they were signing deals for you for sandwiches and, and back rubs, you know. I mean, you weren't really getting paid. Um and so there was little <laughs> jobs in between that you're trying to make ends meet. I was always guest starring, always doing TV shows. And, and so when band came along, it was my first foray into the real American side of, of our business, which was something. And did that come from, was it your agent suddenly called you up and go, I've got something for you? Yeah, right? but everybody knew about it. Everybody in London, everybody in New York, really? everybody in LA, everyone in Sydney. It, it was like really? yeah, any, any actor worth their salt in their early 20s knew about this show. And so everybody was hustling for it. Um, and if your agent didn't call you, you know, you were you were calling them saying, hey, what's going on with this show that everybody's talking about? So wow. we knew it was we knew it was coming. Um, and realistically, in the show, for those that have watched it, or those who haven't, you know, there's there's arguably, I would say, 10 guys that you would say are the band of brothers. And, and then there's, you know, thousands of others. But there's like, but you're in all of them. Yeah, aren't you? yeah, I'm in all of them. So I, uh, you know, uh, out of out of the main ten, there were actually only I think four Brits. So there were six Americans and four Brits um, that were. So hold on. So it's you, Dexter Fletcher, me, Dex, Damien, and then I would say Damon. Shane, who played Doc Rowe. Um, so I would say oh, like the yes, four yes, of yes, us yeah, yeah. were like the British guy. And, you know, there's a. And then it was Mark, Mark Warren, he was in it, wasn't it? Mark Warren, it's a Mark Warren? came, he did an episode, yeah. 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 yeah, he did the episode, he goes, episode, goes blind yeah. for a bit, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the much debated episode three, you know, a lot of historians yes, on yes. the road, they're always, you know, <laughs> wagging their, oh, their fingers at, at, at the Hollywood yeah, Liberty, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, a ton yeah. of Brits and... You know, a lot of movie stars now, you know, your, your Fassbenders and your Hardys and your, uh, you know, Mac, Mac and boys. Everybody yeah, was yeah. coming in and just playing these little roles, you know. So you heard, you heard about it? Heard about and, it. And you get, and then, and then, what are you doing in those days? Everyone, do everyone in town, so everyone in town auditions for Everyone's place. auditioned. So everyone's all your mates, every, every single person is talking about band. Everyone's like bigging it up. You know, we're all, we're all larding it around Soho House in the early 2000s, you yeah. know, talking about this this show that's that's coming to town, the circus. And getting your American accents together and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some real dodgy ones, though, even in the show. So some of them got through <laughs> the through the netting. Um, for me... Oh, really? Yeah, a, yeah, like, yeah, it always seems all right yeah, to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing out names. Not naming names. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the majority of us, yeah, there was a dialect coach, there was all of that actually during the audition process but for me I've always been able to do an American accent for it's just my thing I, I don't know I could just turn it on and off um, and it was my love of film um, and I just finished doing a Neil Simon play in the West End where I was an American for a year so I was sharp ah. I was just sharp on it um, so yeah got a call and uh, a lot of guys auditioned you know eight nine ten times and, and didn't get a bite um, 
I was lucky. Wow. I went in three times in all, but my first time was with the American casting director, um, Angela Terry and Meg Lieberman, who are funny, funny enough, I was with last night. Um, so, so those were the two that I met at the Anthonyum Hotel on Piccadilly, um, and uh, and at that audition is when Meg said, "Tom will be in town next week. I want you to come back and meet him." And I very nonchalantly was like, oh, "Yeah, no worries. I'll come. I'll, I'll come meet Tom. I think I'm free." Um, <laughs> and so the following week, I, I went back and uh, met Tom Hanks, and um, there was just a couple of people in the room. Um, it was a bit scary, or, or were you kind yeah, of? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, listen, you're, you're braving it. You're, you're going in with broad shoulders, and you you suck it up. Yeah. But it's arguably, you know, the biggest movie star at, at that point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was he was mid castaway. You know, he had the big beard and the bandana and skinny, of and yeah, you know, yeah, he was yeah, he was yeah. full on unrecognizable, really. Um, so met, until he opened his until mouth. he opened his mouth, and yeah, you know, ah, Raspagol. You know, as soon as he uh, <laughs> as soon as he says your name, you're like, oh, okay, I'm I'm in here. Um, yeah, and had a great reading with him, and he was generous and kind, and uh, you know, as an actor, just a dream because he was acting opposite. You know, so I, I got to act with Tom. So leaving that audition, I was like, whatever happens, I just acted with Tom Hanks. I feel good. Yeah, no, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, yeah. very cool. I mean, the, the the thing is, you do look quite a lot like the real Joseph Liebgott, don't you? I did, especially back in uh, back during the show days. Back in the yeah. day. But I also had to drop a lot of weight. I was a skinny kid anyway, but I, I had to drop down to Joe was 130 pounds, which is not. Nothing. Heavy at all, and bear in mind, all these guys tended to be slight. You know, when you're talking in the forties, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. way smaller. You know, even their uniforms, you can just see them; they're just tiny. Um, but yeah, he was 130 pounds, and I got down to 135. Yeah, what's that in stones for an English, British oh. viewer listener who it's about ten, um, isn't it? Ten, eleven? No, less than that. Because that's always the thing in America when you hear an American thing and they go, oh, "I'm 200 pounds." Oh, oh, like whatever. Yeah, you? great. You look, you, you <laughs> look, look fantastic, you. mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Have you lost weight? <laughs> um, I actually don't know, and I would love to Google that right now. But it's it's slight. <laughs> it's slight, and it's down, and it, and small yeah. for you. So and you I was a, and I was a skinny kid, you know. I, I didn't have I didn't have meat on my bones anyway, but I had to get down and I used a, a brilliant um, a brilliant Hollywood diet of cigarettes and exercise, you know. So it was uh, smoking like a trooper and doing insane amounts of push-ups. And had you, in the meantime, like bought the the Stephen Ambrose book and? Started to find out about it all, or were you wait? Were you were you staying pure for the project? No, I. Um, did you not want to cloud your mind? With no, it I, I look. I mean, I, I joke about this too. A, a lot of people do think acting is about learning lines and you know looking dreamingly into the lights. Um, but the truth yeah. is, you know, those of us that take it super serious, yeah, you research. Um, and this is before the internet. And this is how old yeah. I'm, I'm dating myself. But, um, you know, yeah, I got the book before the first audition. So I started, I was about halfway through the book when I met Meg. And then I made sure I finished the book before I met Tom. Um, and then during that time, I was down the library. I've, look, I've, you know, I'm reasonably well-educated, so I, I knew my history, but I perhaps didn't yeah. know everything about Easy Company. So for me... That was my um, that was my research. I, I knew everything about Easy Company by the time I met Tom. I went in with a you know a whole 
package worth of, of info, useless info for an audition, but literally went in with a paratrooper song, all handwritten, just, it just I needed it all in my head. And I remember Tom actually yep. saying, you know, what's in your hand, kid? What's this? And I was like, notes that will mean nothing to anybody but, but me at this point, you know, and I, I think he kind of liked the idea that I'd just done a an insane amount of homework for it. Well, obviously paid off. I mean. Well, listen, there was so, some guys did the show that did fuck all. So, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe it did pay off, maybe it didn't. You know. Maybe I'm the loser. Well, it's funny because, you know, you had quite a few scenes where, you know, David Webster is obviously one of the, um, one of the, one of the characters and, and he dies, he writes that brilliant book, Paratrooper. And then, dies in gets eaten by a shark, shark infested water, just disappears yeah. off his yeah. yeah yeah he disappears off his boat and that's the end of him in sort of like 1962 or something like that and, and then joseph lee got dies in i think 1984 or something like that so or, or, or early 90s or something but anyway b- before the show so the the two of you are you don't it, it's not like damien lewis with dick winters you can go and chat to him all day long kind of get the get the the winter's vibe of course I mean, you, you don't have any of that no and uh, you know I, I think ian who who played webster i think he and i um i mean he had a little more to go on because he had he had the book you know and um yeah. i remember being slightly envious uh early doors when everybody was getting handed these you know manila envelopes and files i mean literally like files binders full of information about their man um pictures and letters and you know, family stories and whatnot. Uh, and they gave me a manila envelope and I was super excited, but I was like, this is, this is a little frail, you know, compared to, <laughs> compared to the binders. Uh, and I opened it up and it was one fo- uh, a photocopied picture, the same picture that was in Dr. Ambrose's book. And I'm like, like you've just wasted like the, the time at this point. I already have this picture. So I had a picture to go on. Um, yeah. But... It turned out to be a blessing in many ways because having uh, gotten to know these men, that you know, a lot of them became our friends, um, and having getting to know them, you very quickly realise that they'll never talk about themselves, or very rarely, um, but they'll happily talk about their brother. So I could then lean on Wild Bill. I could call Babe. I could. I could call the guys and say, tell me about Joe. And they'd be like, I'll be happy to, kid. Here you go. Boom, 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 boom. So I got this insane amount of information from the guys because they were happily talk about, you know, the guy standing next to them. It was it was getting information out of themselves that, that was tough. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, and, and it, it really bonded wow. me a little bit to them. And and there were a few times when, when the vets would come to set and, you know, it was the Beatles were arriving. It was because we all knew the, yeah. the, the book and the scripts that we were reading and, you know, all of a sudden the rock stars are showing up. Yeah. And, but they would look at us and, you know, they'd call me Joe and, and, and they're not doing it in a Hollywood way. They're doing it because they're seeing their friend in such a strange yeah, situation and it was beautiful, you know, and sort of now I appreciate that more. I remember at the time being a little, you know, we're still in the character and we're still, you know, and I can look at that now and it was really, yeah, a beautiful thing to see. I assume there was a boot camp and you were taught how to march and handle a rifle and all that sort of stuff. Or, or oh, you, were, you, you, you obviously haven't spoken to any of the bad guys. This is all we talk about is boot camp. Boot camp, boot camp, boot camp. <laughs> and and it's, it's, such a, it's such a joke in our circle. Now, I say this all the time. 
stories get varied over the years. You know, some people will claim we're at boot camp for 17 months, you know, and, and somebody yeah. will say it was five days. And it re- Well, that's why I'm asking, yeah. really, because, because... 100%. And I've got to say, listen, one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life, but it was nowhere near as long as, as some people say, and it's nowhere near as short as some people say. It's somewhere in the middle. My yeah. version of it is, yeah. I think we were like two weeks. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, you know, we all got these these hand typed letters in the mail to our houses, um, dated in the forties, and it was signed by Colonel Sink. So it was Captain Die and Dale Die. For those who don't know, is you know a military advisor to yeah, yeah. Platoon, Everything. Forrest Gump, uh, Banner Brothers, yeah. Pacific, blah blah blah. Um, and uh, and you know he's a Vietnam vet, isn't he? He is, yes, yes, and he's got stories for days, and uh, he's a big <laughs> teddy bear. Um, he yeah. comes with such, uh, such, uh, 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 you know, there's so many stories about Captain Die, and he just comes with this catalogue of, of information and, um, and attitude, but he became... And he's been trying to get this film done, hasn't he, about Lafayette? Yeah, about, um, I mean, listen... About, about the 86 absolutely. The and it, look, there's, there's nobody better who, who can get these kind of films off the ground. I mean, he's, the knowledge on the man is, is you know... It's nobody else can get close to him in in many senses. So he ran the boot camp. Ran the boot camp from top to bottom. And I've said from you know Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg, Tony Toe, who was our producer uh, on the ground, boots on the ground uh, producer, uh, Meg Lieberman, who cast it, and Captain Die are the reason the show is as huge and as popular as it is because between that chemistry, um, and a lot of people will roll their eyes at an actor's boot camp. He beat the shit out of us, and and he 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 squeezed, let's say, you know, six months of basic into a couple of weeks. You know, I'm not saying that we have done the exact same as the Marines did or the Army do, but you know, for for a bunch of grunt actors that are used to somebody bringing them a cup of tea in the morning, you know, all that was knocked out very early. We bonded uh, through trauma, yep. <laughs> you know, and and through that trauma of of just having the snot kicked out of us in such an amazing way. Uh, none of us have been fitter. Um, you know, I could strip my M1 and put it back together under a minute and a half, uh, you know, stupid things like you would never see in the show, but we just, we knew how to march, we knew how to drill, we knew how to toss a grenade, we knew how to take a house, we knew how to flank the the, the enemy. We just, and, and come time on set, Captain could just be, you know, Leave God, go in here, go boom, 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 sir, boom, and you would do it. And the cameras are rolling, and so you don't have any stunt guys needed for that particular moment. Um, you don't need to, you know, if your weapon jams, you know how to get out of it on camera, so you don't have to cool cut and, you know, have some, you know, military guy come over and clear your clear your rifle. Um, so, you know, we, we knew everything. We knew how to get out of an M1 thumb. We knew how to... How to uh, uh, you know, reload, unjam. If you fell over, you knew how to get up. If there were moments during the camera would be rolling one particular time, actually, and I was with, uh, uh, Liebgart was with Luz, and Luz was on the radio com, and we were coming down, it was actually Tom's episode, we were coming down the side bank, and his whole gear came off and was laying on the side of the side bank, and both of us rolled all the way down at the bottom of the, of, of the dike. Um, 
you know, we would just run straight back up and grab it. And, you know, there's just things that you just stayed in the moment. And that was all because of boot camp. Wow. And, it, and it bonded us. And how, did, and how did you find all the all the kit and the uniforms and stuff? I mean, did you find them? Did, did you think poor bastards having to wear this? Or did you think, actually, you know, this is all right? Well, it's funny because, you know, day one, they take you to the studio. Uh, and they pick you up in a town car, you know. I mean, th- you, you're still treated as an actor up until a point. Then it stopped. Um, and uh, they would take you to the studio. You'd go in, and it was just... It was in Hatfield, which is now, I think, all knocked down. But um, it was an old airbase, old air hangar. And so and one of the hangars was just wall-to-wall uniforms, American and German. Wall-to-wall. Um, and so they would kit you up in your paratrooper outfit, you know, the woolen shirts and, the, you know, you'd have your A1s, you'd have your Class A's at one point. Um, and you put all this gear on. And you think you look like the man, you know? You're, you're like, I'm a, I'm a paratrooper. <laughs> We've since seen the Polaroid pictures of those and none of us look like the man. None of us look like a paratrooper. <laughs> we look like these dorky little kids with big helmets, you know? After boot camp, because boot camp, we were in uniform pretty much the entire time apart from PT. So all our physical training, we could wear, you know, your gym gear, but that was it. So it's a bit like the first episode. Yeah. It was 100% like the first episode. And, and what he was doing, it was bonding the guys. I mean, I, I trauma bond as a joke, but that's true. Guys were hitting walls left, right and centre. And, and it just put everybody in this same place of, look, we're exhausted, we're beat up. You know, we're not fighting in Bastogne. You know, we're not in a foxhole. And they would keep us up for two, three nights at a time. And they were, you know, trying to deprive us of sleep and normality and... You know, making us, you know, certain people throw up as they're running, which is in the show. I mean, you know, they were just being slightly... Uh, I mean, they'd never get away with it in this day with the Me Too movement. They'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> but it must have been a hell of an experience. And, and I guess when you're on that boot camp, you, you're starting to think, OK, this is... I mean, I thought it was serious when I met Tom Hanks, but now I'm getting it's really serious. You know, this is this is a major show. This is This is, this is not something... This is not like the Hollywood of old, where you just sort of turn up and it's sort of plastic sets. This is, they they this had is... us in in barracks. I mean, you know, we're down in the south of England in in a used barracks, so we're all bunking next to each other. We've all got you know, and, really? and, and, and everyone mucked in right because I mean, after all, it's a. I mean, you know, and and if someone did do this, I don't want you to rat them out, but you could go. Well, I'm just. I, I wait for my for when the cameras roll. I don't. Why do I, you? You didn't have an option to opt out, right? Because a, a real boot camp, you can fail. They fire you. They kick you off. They kick you out of the army. There's no. There's. The, you see well, there I'm was a fear at? there. To be honest, though, and everybody talked about it. There was a fear that you would get fired. So yeah. Oh, right. So if if you and, and and you took it serious, and, and they sort of they sort of let you know that they sort of let you know that. Right. Listen. Okay. Actor boys. This was expected of you. There's no no part of this. If you don't step up, if you don't become a part of this, then you're out and somebody else will come and take your role. So, and and also another genius stroke from the producers, you know, Stephen and Tom, so Spielberg and Hanks came down to boot camp um, early on and had the chat with us. You know, we're all in the, uh, we're all in the cafeteria and they stood there and they went, look, this is going to be hard. You're going to want to, you know, sit some of it out and go, no, I'm calling my agent. Just do it. Just get through it. Yeah. Just do it. We want you to be these men. And the only way you're going to be these men is by doing this. And we can't have any, you know, Hollywood revolt. 
we can't have anyone sort of, you know, whining them up. Anyone yeah. shirking or, yeah, And if you yeah, do, yeah, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll send you home and no hard feelings. And, you know, and everyone was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, you're not going to be a bunch of wetties, <laughs> no. are you? You're just going to well, go. I mean, I'm, the, the only reason I recall it is this, this you know, when they went, made the wild geese, they had a boot camp for wild geese. And Richard Burton said, you can fuck off, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I can't imagine Roger did it, did he? <laughs> no, none of them. They all, they all decided, they all basically, they all opted out, all the, all the stars. Said, I'm not doing it, because, you know. Uh, I think uh, Burton said, I was in the RAF for eight months. I've, I've done my bit, thanks very much. <laughs> they, they, uh, they talked about it on Ryan, on Private Ryan. There was a big uh, actor revolt, and it was, it was Tom that, that wrangled everybody in. You know, a lot of the actors were like, wow. fuck this. No way. This is, you know, I'm not getting yelled at. I'm not getting barked at. This is stupid. And uh, and Tom was like, just come on, let's just all do it. And he was he was a ringleader and he made, you know, and if 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 Hanks is going to stay, you're all going to stay, you know. And did you shoot them sequentially? So w- when you when you watch it, is it the the progress of the? Because after all, the story tells itself, and you all look. You all, you know, if if you if you fully buy into the show, by the end of it, you you go in, boys. You come out, men. That whole thing was it shot sequentially, so that that was the process as an actor, or was it all out? Yeah, of kind of, sort of. Uh, they they try to be. Uh, I mean, you know, listen. With with filming, it's just all schedules. It's it's who's available yeah. and who's not, especially with the directors. So we shot. We did one, two, three. Then we did five, yeah. and then we did four, and then reshot part of one and added things in one because by that point they were really watching, going, okay, these are the guys that we want to follow. So we went back and right. like, you know, they put extra stuff in for a bunch of us in right. episode one, just so that you knew who to watch. Um, yeah. So, uh, so one, two, three, five, four, and then we did six and seven, and then we did nine, ten. Oh no, we didn't. Jeez, I don't remember. Yeah, it was all over the place. We did <laughs> six, six and seven are uh, is Bastone, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, but, but then you got like, then you got the last patrol. Right, the last patrol number eight was the last one we shot. That's right. Six, seven, eight were the last three we shot. So we did one, two, three, five, four, nine, ten, six, seven, eight. That's how we shot it. So so nine and ten. And in fact, some of us have talked about that because when we watch nine and ten now for us, we go, they're perfect the way that they are. But there is a moment where we go, man, when we watch us in eight, we really look like we're, we're at the end of the war. Yeah, and and there's part yeah. of us going, man. How interesting would that have been if we'd gone in with that same attitude from eight into nine and ten? Um, but you know, we probably wouldn't have had the episodes that we have. And listen, I've done shows where they go, all right, we're starting with your death scene. What do you mean, start with a death scene? Like that's the end <laughs> of my character. That's the end of everything that I know, and that's how we start. Yeah, we we only have this location today. You know, it's it's yeah. all it's all to do with locations and and. Uh, you know, availability of certain actors and directors. And, and so t- tell us a little bit, Ross, about those those heroes of yours, you know, Wild Bill and all the rest of it. I mean, how, how much were they around? And, you know, did you all sort of revere Dick Winters when he turned up and all that kind of stuff? Or did you just revere them all? Yeah, it was a, it, it was a bit of... Um, I, I think there was just... Uh, first of all, there was, like, such a huge respect. Um and I think that's another beauty of the show and how they, they cast it, was there was just this uh, 
resounding um, belief in that we were holding a legacy on our shoulders. So there was a real importance for us to tell the story correctly. And so with that, we became the men that we were portraying. You know, I mean, that sounds crazy and wackadoodle. I get it. You know, my I was in American for 18 months. My family thought I was crazy. I mean, it's just, I get it. You know, we're walking around like we're soldiers. And we were reminded very, very often by people outside the show, you, you know, you guys are not real soldiers, right? And we're like, but I have dog tags. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> uh, I have dog tags and I, I know how to, you know, spit shine my boots. Strip it out Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Um, how dare you? Uh, but so with the, with the real gents, it, um, it was funny. We, I got to know the majority of them after the show. So during the show, there were almost like, you know, these ethereal beings that were talked about. And so anytime anyone was on the phone with a vet or if, or, or if I was getting research from one of the guys, you know, everybody was, you know, you would have a moment of silence, but majority people were around. Oh, who are you talking to? You know, um, and um, but I got to know most of the guys after. And I think that's because a lot of them knew that the show was was being made. There was a little bit of. You know, it's tough because the Hollywood, you have to take certain liberties. Otherwise, you've got a 36 episode show rather than a 10. Right. You can't tell everybody's story. Um, and sometimes some stories get molded into one to make it easier, because the truth is we already have history fanatics. We already have uh, people interested in that genre as our audience. As a TV show, it's entertainment. You want to you want the world to watch. And so to get the world to watch. You have to be entertaining. And so you have to, you know, bring certain stories into one and, and whatnot. So I think there was a little bit of resistance. Resistance may be the wrong word. I think apprehension with some of the guys of, you know, they didn't know if their story was going to be in the show. It was in the book, so it will be in the show, right? And, you know, that was yes sometimes and no other times. So I think there was a little bit of nervousness of let's see how these Hollywood hacks do this. Let's see if it holds up. And of course, I think once they saw the show, uh, any personal ego was out the window because they just didn't have that. Uh, and it was like, yes, this is a story that, that needed to be told and we're really proud of it. So, um, you know, we used to drink with these men and by God, could they drink? But, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, I, I would travel all over America. We would be doing um, various... Uh, charitable uh, panel discussions or we'd be opening museums or we'd be invited to the Pentagon, you know, or, or we'd go all these crazy air bases, you know, and and um, and just going with them. We just treated them like the rock stars that they were. I mean, you know, um, as actors, we tend to get a little bit of shine and a little bit of excitement. But, you know, we made sure that, A, that was all focused on them but B, honestly, some places that we did go, they could care less about, you know, the TV shows that we're doing. They just want to see the they just want to see the guys. Um, so that bond was lovely, you know, um, and through the years, you got closer to certain ones because you would see them more often. Um, and, uh, you know, Babe used to just always just try and 
would give stuff to me all the time. Like it was ridiculous. He would, he would yeah, kid, I got this. You know, just kept giving me, babe, I'm not taking your jacket. Like, I don't need your jacket. You know, no, nah, kid, come on, it's good. You know, um, and I would see Ed Tipper all the time. And, uh, you know, uh, Major Winters was, um, you know, uh, a, a figure that we all looked up to and you could tell why you know when you met when you met the major there was a real aura. well it's really interesting so a, fr- a friend of mine over in the states he, he lives in gettysburg called eric door he's got a lot of um dick winter's papers um he he bought them off the family when when uh, when dick passed away <clears throat> and and reading the letters it's really interesting because he's really a driving force with the book and then with the TV, he's the one who's writing to all the veterans going, come on, we've got this project, come and get on board. Really interesting, the person who absolutely refuses to gather anything to do with it whatsoever is Ronald Spears. And, and his letters, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the book and in the TV series, you know, Ronnie Spears is this kind of absolute Iceman, isn't he? I mean, you know, he's this kind of rock cool, doesn't get scared, you know, slightly scary himself. Um... And in the letters, he comes across as a much more kind of vulnerable person. And he just, and repeatedly in the letters to Dick Winters, he says, I think back on those days and I just keep thinking, how the hell do we do what we did? How do we do what we did? How do we get through it? It's all that kind of thing. Uh, and, it, and it's so funny because, you know, obviously as a kind of sort of 80 year old man here or 70 year old man or whatever he was at that time that he was writing those letters, he just can't put himself back into that. 24 year old that he was in 1944 well i think i think there's a a big part i mean spears is such you're right i mean the character in the show beautifully played by matthew settle is um it's it's such a great portrayal and and he really is one of those characters that that you you're not sure if you should root for or not you know which is is why it's so beautifully played too but there's that great line that graham yost one of our writers um and i'm gonna butcher it but you know it's where in episode seven where he's talking to lipton and uh you know he says look there's a reason the men think i'm such a scary man you know i mean it's good to have your men fear you you know um and it was just such an interesting thing but just talking about the letters there for a second it's for me, we forget there was a thing called PTSD back then that we just didn't know about. And so, of course, when they're now hitting 80s and 90s, there's a lifetime of of pride, but I'm sure there's an awful lot of regret. I'm sure there's an awful lot of, you know, hidden fears and, and angers and, uh, you know, anxiety. Well, and Lieb has got some, you know, he's got some... Leave, leave disappeared. History, hasn't he, he disappeared after well, the war. Like he wouldn't pick up yeah, the phone. Yeah, but, but he. I mean, but but he. You know, he got accused of. Didn't he shoot some German officer escaping or something? <clears throat> well, it was Spears had had. Uh, you know, the 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 uh, the rumor was it was Spears found out where a commandant was staying up in the Alps, and you know, and yeah, Liebgard went up and and took care of the business that he he felt he needed to. But also, yeah, he was known for being. Joe is known for being brutal with with the Germans. So, you know, there's also that bit where Winters takes his rounds away. You know, he says you get one round. Yes, yes, he gets you just need yeah. one. Yeah. You know, if you if you take a shot, they'll jump you, you know. Well, he, and he was Jewish, wasn't he, originally? Or his family were Jewish or they converted to Catholicism. Is that right? There's so, there's so many stories. No, nah, there's so many stories that came out after the show and again, this is just, you know, pre-internet, so the research was limited yeah. in a sense. We've heard that there was, you know, uh uh that he claimed just to be Jewish, just to 
you know, he, he never corrected anybody. Everybody thought he was Jewish because of the name. Um, right, but right. I, I, again, listen, you know, unless you have the man himself or somebody right next to him that's going to tell you that story, I mean, you're, you're, you're fabricating, you know? So, yeah. so we yeah. certainly played it like he was Jewish uh, and one of the only few Jewish members of Easy Company. Uh, yeah. And then... But you know, a German surname. Grandmother was German, so he's or Austrian, I believe. And so, um, you know, him speaking German was such a interesting thing for me to develop as a character. Being, you know, a Scottish guy who sounds with you know got a dodgy London accent, and I'm playing and an American Jewish fella who speaks German, German. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so yeah. it was it was great for me because I had a, a, a ton to get my teeth into, but. Yeah, uh, but PTSD was a was a big thing with Joe. Um, you know, a lot of the guys I would speak to, and I said, where, "Where'd he go?" And they said, "After the war, he did not want any more to do with it." He's, you know, they would call him, and his wife would pick up the phone, and she'd be like, "Yeah," and they'd be like, "Can we speak to Joe? It's Bill." You know, Joe, it's Bill. Click, phone would just go down. So you know, while Bill would tell me that, he was like, "Yeah, he just he didn't want to he didn't want to engage." Done with the war. Done with the war and, yeah. you know, obviously having some real, you know, mental trauma with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a real responsibility, isn't it, though, when you're playing someone who, who you know, a real person. I mean, that, that's different to playing a- anything else, isn't it? But also then there's also the tension with it being entertainment and and so on. So things get compressed or exaggerated. Would you Would you sometimes think... And, and obviously, the last thing anyone wants to hear is an actor going, "Well, I'm not sure my character will really do that." You know, it's the, 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 you know, that's a, the, 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 that's going to cause you trouble, isn't it? But but were there moments where you'd think, "Is this is this right? Is this what what he would have done?" Or or do you keep that to yourself? I think there was uh, the only time that would ever come up is if there was something that that made. Uh, if there was any form of real shame or embarrassment about something that you would, you know, that yeah. you would go to the writers and say, look, I've spoken to the family or I've spoken to friends and it didn't quite happen like this. It was more this way. Um, but really that was it. I've got to say the research from the writers was, was top draw and everything yeah, yeah. that came down, you sort of either knew about, I mean, look, there was a lot of actors and it's, all's fair in this and I understand it they wanted to do justice to their veteran but you know they would hear stories from their family and they would go to the writers and say hey you know my guy did this and maybe we can implement that and that's a tough thing to do because then you know you you can personalize a few things you can have a few things in there that will personalize it for that family member so they can watch it and go I remember grandpa telling me that story that's so great that they've immortalized that on film but you know as far as like the main arcs go everybody everybody knew what was up and did you ever hear from Lee Gott's children I didn't hear from because there were like eight kids yeah I didn't I didn't hear anything from anyone till after the show aired and then I was getting just through HBO and through the the publicity department I was getting little snippets of people are trying to reach out um and then sort of very recently uh, a Lee Gott family member has has come full circle um and she's reached out now, and so now we're we're in contact. So that's really it. I, I never had, yeah, I never. I, I I had some like fan mail from some of the family members just saying you portrayed my my grandfather, and I just want to you know tell you how important it was, and you know 
so that that just pays dividends. Because look, the truth is, and I, I say this every year on 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 his birthday. You know, I mean, and this goes for all the guys, I'm sure. Joe's a big part of my life. A big part of my life, you know. I, I really yeah, amazing. Yeah. And yeah, you never met him. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I completely get what you mean mm. because I've had that with loads of people that I've written about. I've read their intimate diaries, letters. You know, you, you, you know, when you're writing about them, you're kind of effectively putting flesh back onto bones that have long been buried, and you're kind of sort of bringing them back to life. And you kind of think, you know, I've, I've inhabited their minds for a hundred percent. You know, whether I'm whether I'm writing about it accurate or not, hundred percent. You know, I still am. I, I even and you so know, you have this weird relationship with someone you've never yeah, met. Yeah, and you know, I can even trivialize it to to such a silly point because it's still a prop essentially. But I wore that man's name around my neck on my dog tags for yeah. two years. You know, Star David mm. was on there. I mean, it was like I really had this real, you know, in, in my bookcase now, I, I I still have my lid, I still have the helmet, you know, and it's like, Do yeah, you? and I've got the jump jacket. I, 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 took, I took my jump jacket right, and my yeah. helmet. Those were the two that I, I took from the show. Um, have you ever, um, just, have you ever parachuted out of curiosity? <laughs> experience that well we did jump school in boot camp so they they they, yeah they they threw they took us down to Bryce Norton and threw us off the tower down there and um you know but but that's you know it's a little roller coaster freebie ride you know um and then when we we shot instead of shooting in Austria we shot in Switzerland um because there was still some uh, some naughtiness going on in Austria and quite rightly Mr. Spielberg was like well I'm not putting any money into you know their system right now so let's shoot in switzerland and so when we shot in switzerland there was um there was a uh some skydiving opportunities at that point right and the producers got a sniff that we were sniffing it and uh <laughs> quite quite oh, rightly right. came down and you know put us or put a small group of us that they knew had to work quite extensively over the next few weeks they uh they they made sure that we were not throwing ourselves out of airplanes they they allowed some of the guys oh, to do shit. it which you know tells yeah, you yeah, something yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were too important to, to, to it's either that or it was the guys with the dodgy accents were up in the planes you know? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for taking time to talk you're both to very us. very welcome um, uh oh, it's just so interesting and um and what are you up to at the moment Oh yeah, yeah. That's what you always ask. What, what are you, you doing? Have to ask What's going on? What are you doing? What What's project, going what on? Because you know, you, it's eight o'clock. It's eight o'clock your time, so you've obviously got a busy day. I have got a busy day. I've got. Uh, it's been a busy year, but a very. I, I write also. I know you know this, James. So I, I know. Yeah, I've yeah. Had, yeah uh, you produce as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I've got two of my films uh, out right now. One is on Netflix in the UK. We got to number four, which is insane. And I wrote and directed it, and it's called A Violent Man, which is a horrible title. Congratulations. Don't blame me. I, I called it ire, but the studio changed it for clickbait, I believe. Um, but it's a it's a, a, a film all about... It's a prison film, but it, it's more than that. It's all about uh, the self-hatred of, of a lifer in prison. So it's a little more deep and meaningful rather than your punch em up prison drama. And then I have, uh, on the flip side, another film that I wrote and starred in called About Us, and that is on all the platforms, but you have to pay for it, unfortunately. Sorry, I can't throw that on Netflix yet. Um, but uh, that's uh, all about love. So I go from love to hate, which is interesting. Um, and uh, and I have Suspicion on Apple, uh, myself, Anuma Thurman, and a few other folks. And The Offer on Paramount that just came out, which has got a bunch of the Banner Brothers guys in. So 
that's that's fun. Wow, yeah. good fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. Um, thanks everybody for listening. We've been talking to Ross McCall. Cheerio. Goodbye.